You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm an executive leadership coach, former executive director, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, strategy, and action. On today's podcast, we are joined by Adele Saccarelli Cavallero. She's an author, speaker, radio talk show host for the Adele and Michael show on WWDB 860 AM Philadelphia every Thursday at 10 AM. It's a really cool talk show where they talk self-awareness and what's going on behind and in relationships so folks can get a deeper understanding. But part of her background is she is also a sexual abuse recovery expert working with women one-to-one and in groups with her online Searching for Oz coursework. She is a former fourth grade teacher in a public school, as well as a volleyball collegiate coach. Think about bringing all those diverse skills together. Very cool. Adele loves spending time traveling with her husband and hanging out with her two daughters, four stepchildren, and five grandchildren. But in this episode, we're really going to focus on a few key important aspects. One, how Adele had the courage to address her abuse and learning disabilities, what that meant to her life when she did, how she's holding space today, healing clients both one-on-one and in online communities, what kinds of calls are coming in now in, in these times of uncertainty, so really up to the minute issues and things that she and her husband are learning and talking about real time, and also then what led her to start a nonprofit. And I'm really interested in that. So there's a link between all of that that Adele's going to share with us. So let's um, not take any more time and get ready to meet Adele. Oh, I do want to tell you that she has free eBooks, but we won't tell you how to get that until the end of the session. So hang in there. So now let's welcome our guest. Hi, Adele. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. It's really good to have you on the show. It was nice to chat before we got started and to learn a little bit more about where you're living and your background. So before we dive in and share you with the audience, we all want to know, is there one non-negotiable ritual or something you do every day that keeps you heading towards your big vision, keeping you on track? Well, I would to say in the beginning of my journey, about 20 years ago, it was always about, okay, sit still, look at the, the thoughts and the beliefs that are coming in, writing them down, journaling, doing that every day. 
but now it's quite different. After really, for 20 years, I've worked on myself. I've worked in all those things that are inside, the shame, the guilt, the fear, all of that. I have, um, I, every morning I just, um, I connect to me and my essence, and you could call it higher self, source, whatever, but I um, just take the moment to do that. I don't really even need to do a ritual that I used to do. So I get the rituals until you get there, but it's, um, it's we call, always call it a walking meditation. You should be able to be conscious wherever you go and be present. So I'm in that stage right now, so it's great. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a nice stage to be in. But I love what you say about time to connect with yourself, your higher self, and being conscious. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Del, would you be kind enough to share kind of your journey and what led you to even have the courage to address what was going on in your life, the abuse, your learning disabilities, the dyslexia? Sure. Well, you know, all my life I did struggle with learning disabilities. And uh, I would say that sports did save me because I was a very good athlete. That was good. That was the only good, not academic student, but a, a good athlete. So I did just, I, I struggled and I always knew it was an issue. And I've always tried my hardest to figure out why I struggled, what that was. And it was a little dyslexia, a little auditory processing disorder, a little ADHD, <laughs> not knowing at the time. So I did become a teacher. Then I watched all these kids struggling and that was my forte. I loved working with those kids that struggled, but, and they were, that was in my twenties that I taught public school. So when I hit 33 years old, I said, for some reason, it was like all the stars were aligned. I don't know, but I woke up and I said, enough of this. I, I can't do this anymore. And I'll tell you, I, I actually decided to try the um, medication. So it was an ADHD medication and I tried it for about six months and that's it. That was, that was it. But that showed me how, what it was like to focus. I never knew what it was like to focus. So while on the drug, I actually read things to its entirety. Like when I would watch a movie, I could see the entire movie. Well, I couldn't do that when I would read a book. No, I would have to stop after two pages, rest, come back. That's how my life was with reading. But with the, that medication, I was able to focus, but to the point where I hyper-focused, to the point where I couldn't even feel my intuitive self. So I didn't really like that part of it. So that showed me what it was like to be focused. So then I knew what other people go through. This is what it's like to be focused. Oh, <laughs> so then I began my search. And that's why I called my book and my whole series and coursework searching for Oz because it's searching. I, I was searching for something to, to find a way to focus, but also have peace inside there. So I did live in Kansas for a while with my, with my then husband. <laughs> and um, I was in a couple of tornadoes there, believe it, in Kansas. And then I moved to Pennsylvania, um, no, New York. And a tornado came swirling down our street. I was in New York. I'm like, wait, tornadoes don't hit New York. What's up with this? 
So I thought, what is going on? You know, so my husband, my daughter and I went in the safe place. We knew the drill, you know, and then we moved to Pennsylvania a few years later and a tornado came through our neighborhood. No lie, Sarah, knocking off the roof of one of our neighbors. I'm like, are you serious? So I was sure that these tornadoes were following me, but were they really? No, they were only a reflection of what was going on inside of me. That tornado-like feeling wrapping around my nervous system and all that moving debris in there would keep my pain at a distance. So I didn't have to look at really what was going on. I was spinning and spinning and spinning. So I spun really fast. In fact, I did everything fast then, then. And so I had to really, at 33 years old, I decided to start journaling. And that's where the book came from. I journaled for 18 years. <laughs> And then the book came out 18 years later, which is really funny. But it all started really with my crazy, chaotic Italian family. Whether it was my mother and grandmother in the kitchen making gnocchis and anulatis and managottis or uncles and aunts and sisters and cousins. And it was a very busy household. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, uh, what really saved me, Sarah, was... Um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I watched him. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Hanks, for the reminiscing. But he was calm, and I just watched it. I also had um, preschool teachers that were really calm, Mr. and Mrs. Poole's preschool. And I knew they loved me. And But then my first trauma, Sarah, was, of course, the sexual abuse at six years old by one of my family members. I was sexually abused by one of my family members. And um, so that was the summer before I was going into first grade. And then I moved to, then I moved to Catholic school in first grade. And that was the next trauma because cap, yeah, trauma comes in all forms. And when I was six, everything happened at one time. And that's when I began to spend, because in kindergarten, I was very focused, but I went and went to, first grade, I started to spin. I started to see letters, D's is B's and, you know, the dyslexia. I, I heard, I didn't hear correctly what was going on and I couldn't stay still. And that's when I really got in trouble. And there you go. I went, it continued with me in middle school and then in high school and college, I got married, same thing. And then, like I said, back to, I woke up at 33 years old and said, that's enough. So was so, it enough from the chaos and the spinning or enough from your work that you were doing? What was the, I mean, I understand the, yeah. the need to say enough, something's changing. But at that moment when you did that, did you know what it was you were pulling the strings on? Did you, did you say, I just want focus or I want something or was it just everything? That's a really good question because when I, did, I'll go back to the meds. When I took the meds and I saw how to focus, what happened was not only things were getting, I was already getting organized in my physical outside environment, but inside I started to see and feel all of the pain that I was suppressing from six years old. So the shame and the fear and the guilt, all of that was being, I was focused on that it came up like in my face, ready to go. And that's what I was ready. Like you said, what was it about it? 
Well, it was, I was done with, wow, look at all of this, this fear and shame I've been burying. Because really, okay, here's the thing. With shame and fear and guilt, okay, they, even though you bury it, you suppress it, it seeps through your conversations and through your thoughts and through your expression. So it's still affecting you. So even though I was suppressing it, all of that, I knew that it wasn't working for me. I was really unhappy inside, even though I was moving really fast. So to answer your question, I would say that I was ready to give up those things that were seeping through. I wanted them healed. And that's why I began my search. So who went with you on this journey? Because I, as you're talking about growing up in your household, it sounds like that was very energetic. People were always doing stuff. And when you were getting, I'm guessing that, you know, you were kind of free spirited and high energy as a young woman and probably a little troublesome. If you were having trouble, right? I'm being kind. I'm thinking about my own family and how different things manifest. I'm going, oh, that was a little troublesome. Um, But only because of where people are at in their lives and their journeys, right? But I'm wondering when you noticed this at 33, did you share that with anybody? Did anybody know of the struggle you were going through? And what kind of reception, not reception, but just, yeah, reaction did you get? Did you have travelers with you? Secrets were a very big thing in my family. You don't say things. You don't speak about those things. So there was not, nobody in my family that joined the journey. <laughs> um, my husband at the time, I did speak with him, and he went through the same thing I did. So we, we chatted, and he did not want to explore that. So we spent maybe mm, five more years together, not even, gosh, maybe two more years together. And um, more and more we grew apart because he wasn't wanting to look at that. And anytime I wanted to share, it wasn't going to happen. So I just did it kind of myself, Sarah. I, I journaled. It was a, not until uh, Michael and I were introduced um, and I went for a session with him. And, and then um, I was like, after all of the different things that I've explored and searched for. I went to the Quakers. So I met some people in the Quaker community. I I did a lot of different uh, healing modalities and they worked, but not to the core therapy. So you could say there's two therapists in my journey, but every time I would say, okay, so that's really cool. I admitted a lot. I understand a lot. Thank you for that. But when does the feeling go away? And I kept saying that. When does the feeling go away? So when I met Michael, it was not even the first session that I saw it. I saw the journey ahead of me and I saw it disappear. So at that time I was divorced and I met him and we, we worked together. And I said, look, I'm going in and talk to a women's prison facility. I'd like for you to come and help me. Because all these women, they have ADHD, they've been sexually abused. So I brought him in with me. So I kept bringing him into my world and we started working together. And so let's I, tell folks who Michael is because oh, Michael's my husband, my current husband of, right, of eight, but 20 years. You, you found him early in yeah. your journey. So 
I you did. Know, did you find him in a cafe? Who is Michael? Who was he at that point? Okay. So a friend of mine who's quite intuitive, um, knew Michael because they were both intuitive. And um, actually my medical doctor's sister connected me to Linda, who's an intuitive, which is funny. So Michael, um, I saw his brochure and this is all in the book because Searching for Oz, the fictional book, it's, but it's 90% true. <laughs> it's intertwined with the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And it's about my story about my self-love and my love, Michael, now. Okay. But it's the love story of how I didn't really like him back then in the beginning. <laughs> so um, anyway, um, so I met this dude that was working on himself for maybe 15 years. He was divorced with four kids, one grandkid. And um, he, he had this unbelievable way of trailing back to find at what point space and time and what feeling space and time that you perceived a certain thing about yourself and made it a belief. He was doing it a long time ago. Now that beliefs are now a big thing, well, they're becoming big. He actually was able to do that with people. And he was, it was all word of mouth. He lived on this six acre lot that was, you know, kind of not the way it is now. <laughs> people were just word of mouth, go see Michael. Or like a therapist in the school district or a counselor, they would say, I don't know what to do with this kid. Tell him to go see Michael. It was always like, go see Michael. So after a while, we started working together and he was so good at what he does. And I said, you know what, dude, I have a story called um, Searching for Oz. I knew it like 18 years prior to that. I have a story and I think it's going to match up with your work. And I don't know why. He's like, really? So we chatted and we started working. And he's like, you need to get well yourself, Adele. So my journey began. So he was part of my journey and my healing process. And then we finally, he finally woke up because I said, Michael, there's something between us. And that's what is in the book. Like how he kept saying, no, no, no. I'm like, Michael, I'm not working with you. It's not like transference, as you would say. <laughs> we are like partners, business partners. And um, no, I don't, I don't know. And then finally he was like, I want to try this now. <laughs> so then, you know, We've been married for, let's see, 17 years, been together for 20, and it's just awesome. It's an awesome relationship, I'll say one more thing, only because it's, it's not, he's not my better half. He's whole and I'm whole. I take care of me and he takes care of him. And we just enjoy each other. And that's, Wrapped in a nutshell there. That's what it is. <laughs> and that's why we wanted to do the radio show. And people, that's what people say in the, on the radio show when they call in, you guys are like back and forth and you guys are so cute together. And I'm like, I don't know about cute today. You know? <laughs> so. Since you mentioned the radio show, and I'm curious around, you know, folks who are healing, let's just do that as a premise, not the whole entire world, because that's a lot to ask you to put on <laughs> your own shoulders. Um, but I'm thinking of people who are on their own healing journeys from whatever kind of trauma or abuse that may call in. Over the last two months, where we've been separated from one another socially, and now we are experiencing this social injustice and people really having to question um, 
their roles and interactions, all of it, which is in and of itself another kind of exploration um, and deep work. What kinds of calls or comments are you getting? Are they the same or are they any different? I would say they're definitely different. How so? We have people that we worked with a long time ago that are calling in and saying, hi, I remember you guys. I'm ready to start something. I'm ready to do some of my work. I'm like, why now? And they're like, it's just time. And people are starting to really take a look. You said it so beautifully, Sarah. Take a look at how they can change. You know, it's all going inward now. Um, it's they're talking about it on the news too. Like what you can do to change you, and um, that's what we're we're finding. We just did one last week about it, and it was so wonderful. Um, the um, it's the changing world today. That's the last episode, last Thursday. It was just beautiful, but people are are calling in and and asking. Um, tell me the kind of Talk about perceptions and beliefs again, about how you can undo them. And what we always say is, it's not about the act or trauma or incident of what happened to you, never. It's about how you perceive the act. And guess what? If you perceive the act, that means you created it. And if you created it, you can undo it of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. Okay, let's slow that one down. (laughs) No, the only reason I'm asking you to slow it down, I want to go back into it because it sounds like a platitude and it's not, right? That whole thing about if you can perceive it, you created it, that is not like new age mumbo jumbo. That goes back centuries. It goes back to the Stoics. It goes back to um, like the Zen masters and Aikido, a lot of the traditions, right? Understanding that. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Because I think that's a big nugget right there in our own personal healing and that of those that we love who we're watching struggle also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something happens to you when you're little, whether it's we call mini traumas or a really big trauma. Let's do a mini trauma. Everyday people. A parent screams at you out of their own frustration. You're taken back. You make meaning out of what just occurred. As a child, you're not considering mom's frustrated, mom's this, mom. It's just the energy of coming at you, boom. The hurt and the pain, we always say, judgment is the source of all pain. So your judgment of what occurred, your perception of how it hit you, how you perceived it is what causes you pain and and stops you from living the life that you deserve. You know, that contentment inside every day that, that you don't live under a controlled experience. I mentioned that a lot in my Searching for Us workbook, being controlled experience. Okay, what's going to happen next? And you're not in the present moment, you're in the future. So when that comes back to the trauma, when that comes to you, you perceive it. So 
you are the person that created that perception. And when that, if, if you created it, then you can undo it. So what we do is our expertise is helping you trail back to find when, at the what moment you perceive that act. And then we ask you different questions. We have like the seven steps of freedom. Know that you're unhappy with that, where you are. And here's the best, the best thing. And you have the desire to change. Because we have this 55 concepts, 55 concept books written by Michael Cavalera. Is everybody's ready in their own time. I'm sure you know that one. I mean, you heard it. But the depth of that one is very important. Everyone is ready in their own time. So if you don't have the desire to change anything about that perception, guess what? You're not going to come to me because I'm going to give you a journey, a path where you can go, a platform where you can jump to actually dismantle and dissolve them. I am living proof of all that shame and guilt in here that I was able to find where I was unhappy, finding the perception. I had the desire to change. You have to have an awareness of what makes you unhappy. You have to accept responsibility for your behaviors and choices. You have to understand the payoff or perceived benefit of your behaviors and choices. That's probably the most important one. And that's probably the hardest. It is because there are ba- there are payoffs, and you know what? I know they can be perceived by other people as really negative, but for you, they're getting you what you want, even if you don't know what you want. Yes, I love that. And but I in the beginning, people can't really hear that, Sarah. So I take them slowly. How I nice of you! Space, and I've worked with so many people. I've seen Michael work with so many people. We've worked with couples, you know, that I know where they are. There's only a certain amount of people, like certain amount of categories that people can fall under. So the the understanding the payoff or the perceived benefit works like this, Sarah. I love this one. You're doing, you're behaving in a certain way and there's a benefit attached to that. I'll just do my sexual abuse. That's like the, the, the best one. So while a lot of people have a hard time with this, while I was being sexually abused at six years old, right? I had a benefit. People would say, what? Like, you can't tell people that right away. But let me tell you my benefit. I wanted him to like me. So I was willing to give up myself, stop my expression, not yell and scream, not say anything, but I wanted him to like me. I know it sounds silly, but this is where admitting that you participated unwittingly, may I add, in that act and then forgiving yourself has nothing to do with him because I've already, like, I've already um, confronted my abuser and I've done, and it did help that, but yet it didn't because inside I have the shame and the guilt and all of that. So that was probably one of my biggest ones. And then it wasn't just that. I was groomed by it athletic coach. I was in the Catholic church for 12 years and I watched a priest follow all of us girls from grade school. My father died when I was young, so I was a target. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Spotlight, but 
some of the priests that are not all priests, but some of those priests that have molested, molested, they target those people that have broken families. And I was targeted and it didn't happen to me by the priest, but a lot of my friends by that same priest. So I have seen, that's why I can help so many people when it comes to this. That's why I call myself an expert. <laughs> um, I can, I have seen all different types of violation of women. And that's my forte. So I know I went off the question, but. <laughs> no, that's great. That, no, you're not, folks who have li listened to this show for any length of time know that I, we start down a path, but honestly, sometimes a different conversation ensues and it's actually the conversation that needs to be had. So you hold space for people to be able to do their work, whether they're working with you one-on-one -on -one or online. Would you spend a couple of minutes and talk about the different ways, because I know you have two or three, maybe even four different ways that you help people kind of down this journey or on their journey so that folks can identify if they're, if they're in a space saying, I think I need to know more, um, where they might look for assistance, but also the different ways, I would say entry points to begin the journey. So they don't have to be on the journey alone. Okay. So I would say, I always give every one of my clients a 20 minute consultation because I'll know in the first 20, in that 20 minutes, if they're coming to the right place and if they're ready. So that's the safe space. It's on zoom so we can see each other we talk or they come in if they're close by. So we do that first. And when they're ready, they, I'm in on the Zoom and we do sessions every week on Zoom or every two weeks. Sometimes it takes them a while to process. So I said, let's do every two weeks or even every month or they come to this office. So we do that first. Now there are some people that I just rather do it on my own Adele. So I've created a searching for Oz, do-it-yourself coursework. It's six weeks. First week, they get all the materials, the videos, the audios. And what's in each week is audios, some meditations, videos of me instructing through the book. And for the six-week course, it's th the first three chapters digitally of our workbook, Searching for Oz, A Journey Home. They also get the fictional book, Searching for Us. Um, they get that dig digitally. And I tell them, like, read the first three chapters of the, the book. Now I want you to do the exercise A in the workbook. And then I talk to them on the video about all the things I've learned from all the classes I did, group classes online, which I'll tell you that in a minute, and also one-on-ones with that workbook. So they get an additional little, you know, wording from me about the exercises and then what blocks they'll come across in the workbook. And then the next week, I give them a password and they open up the next week and they get everything. And they do it for six weeks. And most of the time when they actually, if they actually get through those six weeks and they follow it exactly, they usually say, all right, I need an appointment or, all right, I'm going to purchase the Searching for Oz workbook online and I want to finish the book because the first three chapters are really like the beginnings, like a lot of self-reflection, discovery and some basics, but it's still very important because you could work on those first three chapters for six months and everything would unfold in those six months. 
And then the, the next, there's nine chapters, okay, in the workbook. Then chapter four, five, and six are, and I have illustrations in the book. They're the scarecrow, the tin man, and the cowardly lion. So the scarecrow obviously is all about your thoughts and what happens. Controlled experience, rumination. I mean, what a kick-ass chapter. <laughs> I love that. And then the Timmy in the book, as well as the workbook, the Timmy chapter is about love, intimacy, sex, your self-love, your partner love, everything to do with love. And it's a beautiful chapter. I, I talk, I always say everything's so beautiful and amazing because it's, it's like my work and it's like, I'm passionate about it because I've seen what it's done for me, but anyway. So then the next chapter is the lion and it's about the belief systems and how we form them, all about that. And then the last three chapters, seven, eight, and nine, are basically the key, the work that I do one-on-one -on -one and in the group online Zoom classes. I have a Zoom, Zoom class for a group for the whole year that there's a group of maybe five or six women. We get together every week and work it. Sorry, two times a month for the year, you know. So those last three chapters, Sarah, are, they're amazing. They, they're, it's like the experiential roadmap, the four building blocks to beliefs and identities. And it really shows you how to trail back to what we were saying earlier, the perceptions and the beliefs. But you could really do it on your own. If you are really self-efficient, maybe um, don't need any support <laughs> um, and, and maybe did a lot of work on yourself already. But a lot of times they call me and say, let me just do a one-on-one. -on -one. And then I help them along. You know? um, I do want to say one thing that the, the Searching for Us Do-It-Yourself six-week class, it's like a mini class, I do give you one session. So... Yeah. So that comes with that class. Yeah. So I think that's really helpful to see kind of the different entry points and how people can do something that's right-sized for them right now in this moment. I'm so curious what led you to start a nonprofit. And folks, this is a total left turn, but I'm passionate about <laughs> nonprofits and why people start them. So I want to ask Adele to say a little bit about her nonprofit, why you started it and what it's doing? Okay. Well, the teacher in me, <laughs> when I was a fourth grade teacher, led me to that. Definitely. Um, I was married, just married with Michael and he encouraged me too. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So it's a 501c3 nonprofit. It's going to be in its 20th year here, 2020 in November. And um, <clears throat> it's called Teamwork Wins. And it's a foundation for awareness and change. We help individuals, especially children and young adults, with invisible challenges in becoming self-directed, free-thinking, and creative. And let me just tell you what that means. <laughs> so we have first started off with working with the school districts, and that's how it grew, really. So the school districts have kids like Asperger's, ADHD, learning challenges, as well as kids they don't know what to do with. Selective mute, kids that hear voices, they don't know what to do with them. So I thought there's a need there. 
So I started off with helping school districts deal with those difficult ones. And then it turned, they, they saw how I was able to work with Selective Mute, where they started talking, where I was able to work with those kids that he heard voices. I threw them to Michael, though, the ones that kid heard voices. Michael, you take this kid. And then they saw the changes. And they said, is there any way you could work with some of our Asperger kids? I shouldn't say that. Kids with Asperger's or kids with um, students with ADHD. And we said, sure. So we started working with them. They saw some results and they said, look it, for the summer, we hold these, we send these kids away to this ESY camp, which is extended school year programs. That is for those kids that don't meet their behavioral goals. And anyone who has a kid with special needs, they know what I'm talking about. ESY programs in the summer. So basically they don't meet their goals, but they wanna make sure the students stay moving and, and stay abreast of what they've learned. So in September, they're not like completely lost. So we decided to start an ESY program. And we ran that for about nine years. And we had 30 kids a week. We just, it was amazing. The, the, the students that came were all different. And what I did was we, the work that we do, we, high, we trained peer mentors, and we call them FT specialist adults. So they were maybe therapists or counselors or social workers that wanted to learn what we do. So they had to do the work themselves like I did. And then they would be at the camp and, um, and change would happen. And the districts would say, you only give us one page per kid. Yeah, we only need one page. We tell you the core, what's going on. Okay. And because the parents were going, no, I want my kids going to Teamwork Wins. They had to oblige. So, so it was awesome. So I've been in many IEP meetings and listening to the changes. We ran that camp for a while. And so we were able to watch kids graduate. We had a kid, a student, female student with Asperger's. I mean, you would never think this child could go to college or have an apartment. She graduated from high school, went to college, graduated from college, and has an apartment with another person. <laughs> that was like one of our, wow, you know, it was so, it's just, I, I love what we do. So now we're on a hiatus, obviously, and we're trying to do some Zoom things. But, you know, we've had like, besides the school districts, we've had like small groups here, Girl Spark, Boy Spark, Lego. Lego programs, um, yeah, for the, the kids with the high-functioning autism. But we, we stayed away from the physical handicaps and the, we'll say, students who have, what would you say, not just high-functioning autism, but autism where they're non-spoken autism, where they don't speak, yeah. Because our forte is in those kids finding the source, the core of what's going on, and then helping them move to the next level. So then they can, ready, move to the neurotypical classroom because they're in special ed. So we work their way to the neurotypical so then they can blend without changing who they are. That was our slogan. We help kids blend without changing who they are. Okay, as we're winding this up, 
this has been really helpful and insightful, but I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you've offered our listeners and how they can get that. Okay. The best way to get all of our offers would be to go to the adeleandmichael.com site. Adele, like the singer, I don't sing, A-D-E-L-E, and then A-N-D, and then Michael. And everything's on there. You can get the free ebook. Um, you can see all of our services. You can sign up for a one-on-one right on from the site. You can go to my calendar. Um, you could join one of our big groups that are starting, like for the year, or just do the do it yourself. And last but not least, there's a store, and you can see all of our materials, and you can buy the books. Very so, cool. There we are. <laughs> so my my last question for you is: Do you have a wish or hope or an intention that you have set for the next six months that you're really focused on? This is a big one. (laughs) I would say that almost every household should get this process. We call it the IM method, inner awakening methodology method. I, every house should at least have the opportunity to do it. Because our books are for everybody. Change your mind, not your child, for the parent or anyone who has been parented, which is everybody on the earth. The self-discovery book, the human mastery book, the invisible challenge book. We have an invisible challenge book for people in business. And we've been in profits and nonprofits. We've taken the 55 concepts all around the world. We've been in New Zealand. We've been in England. We talk about, you know, the Indigo Kids, um, Thoughts, Beliefs, and Knowings book. And then, of course, the Searching for Oz workbook and book. So I, my wish is that, is that every household, I mean, that's kind of a little crazy, but millions of households should have the opportunity to see this kind of work because it's not that difficult if you want it, if you have the desire to change the shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, anything that you see in there or feel in there, you should be able to do it. You should be able to take this work and undo it because you created it. You can Thank you, it. Adele. And I'm going to ask our <laughs> listeners, um, if you know somebody who you think should have heard this and you want to share it with them or you or maybe that's you and you want someone else to walk on your journey with you please share the episode so that more people can have access and understand that there are choices and there are is change and that Adele and Michael are there but also that it's possible to have a different future than you have right now or a different experience and With that, Adele, I just want to thank you for taking time to be on this show and for being open about your own journey and your hopes for the future. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Sarah. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. 
We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.